Okay, so how many are ready to study God's Word this morning? Alright. So, yeah, we have two slides today. So if you're taking notes, taking pictures, or receiving the verses, there's two slides for this morning's teaching. The title of the message for this morning is Seeing and Hearing with Spiritual Understanding. As an intro to this teaching, turn with me to the book of Shemot, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, which says the following. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male slave or your female slave, or your cattle or your resident who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. For that reason, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I want to revisit this because I think we need to reflect upon the Shabbat and begin to, sometimes we get lazy, sometimes we get lackadaisical, sometimes we miss the point of the Shabbat, sometimes other things take over and, and sort of creep in and, and mess with our Shabbat, our rest that God has given us. This, this, these verses here is our first introduction to the Shabbat. How many know it's the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments that govern our lives? How many know that? You only have to look around you to recognize God's creation. And he did that in six days. But he rested on the seventh. But it takes experiencing this seventh day, this Shabbat, to teach one, to teach a person how to relate to God through the revelation of the Torah. We are to honor the Shabbat. La kavod ha-Shabbat. Say with me together. La kavod ha-Shabbat. To honor la kavod ha-Shabbat, the Shabbat. To honor what God considers holy and not man, and in this case, the Sunday worship day that has been a substitute created by man that replaced this fourth commandment. But to understand and relate to this commandment that separates us and our observances from others, you must experience to its fullest. And when you do, watch what happens. Now, this is the 17th parasha for this year. In it, at Shemot 20, is where we find the Ten Commandments spoken on Har Sinai, and it's spoken in the first 17 verses. The 17th parasha, 17 verses. Do you think that's a coincidence? I think not. There's a number of comparisons to look at about the number 17. And I'm going to take a moment to go through a couple of them with you. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, 18 through 24 says this. 
For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not cope with the command, if even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. And it so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Here we hear contrasting of Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, and Zion. Verses 18 through 21 lists seven things mentioned about Sinai, which Har Sinai, Sinai, which encompasses the time in which we read about the Ten Commandments in today's parasha. Whereas verses 22 through 24 mentions ten things of comparison from the spiritual Zion. So for you mathematicians, 7 plus 10 is what? 17. Very good. There are also 17 angelic appearances mentioned in the Gospels and the book of Acts. Now 17 times 9 is what? 21. Anyone know? Alright, you may not be able to do the math quickly and you're not allowed to use your cell phones or your calculators for those that may be adding. It's 153. Does the 100, word 153 ring a bell to anyone? Does it? Fishes. John 21.11 says this. So Simon Peter went up and hauled the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. 153 fish. Now, what was Peter? He was a fisherman, right? Yeshua said he was to be what? A fisher of men. How many know throughout the years there's been much debate over why on earth would 153, the number, be put in there? You see some uh, founding church fathers like Augustine who said this is, this is showing the evidence that, that there are uh, only uh, a certain amount. And we see Jerome who's talking about the same thing, looking at this number and trying to equate it to a number. You know what I think it is? You want my opinion? If you don't, you can close your ears. But you want to hear my opinion? My opinion is it's not a number. It's a value. It's not a number. It's a value. Now how many know about Gamatra? How many know about that? The Gamatra of 153, there's a word in the Hebrew, there's two words in Hebrew that express this. 
The gematra for the words B'nai Ha'Elohim, the children of the God, the sons of God. Guess what its number is, its value, guess what it is? A hundred and fifty-three. Coincidence? Peter was to what? He's a fisher of men. Throws the net out. He's to gather the children of the God. The children of the living God being gathered. I believe it's a value, not a number. And this value of those that are to be gathered even go on to today in these end times. 153 is the number of the sons of God who observed his Ten Commandments, who continue to observe the Ten Commandments, taking us full circle. And this is a result of looking at these numbers, a result of me spending too much time working with numbers this week. Now the name of this week's parasha is Yithro, or Jethro. Moshe's father-in-law, he was a Midianite priest who converted to Judaism to serve the one living God. He became B'nei Elohim. Jethro gave his son-in-law advice. His counsel was beneficial to all of Israel and thus this story was added to the Torah. Shemot 18, 16 through 23 says this. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between someone and his neighbor, and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law then said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you. Because the task is too heavy for you, you cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God. Then admonish them about the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that they will bring to you every major matter, but they will judge every minor matter themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will carry the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their places in peace. Now we also see a parallel circumstance in Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 3, which says this. Now after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Jesus does the same type of thing involving the guidance that was given by Jethro to Moshe. Luke 10, 17 through 19 says this. 
Now the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to walk, on, to walk on snakes and scorpions, and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. But now, unlike Moshe, who had to deal with physical matters, Yeshua addresses spiritual matters in this context. What is the result? Luke 10.20 says this, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. The lesson for you, you can experience his presence and power now before we experience it in the future to come in his kingdom when he returns. But when you get into spiritual matters, some people begin to scatter. Why is that? Because their religion is physically based, not spiritually based. They choose to base their understanding of God on what they can see or what they can hear, but not on their understanding of what they see or hear. Do you get that? They base it upon they, what they can see and hear, but not on their understanding of what they see or hear. You know the difference? Seeing and hearing the physical, but coming to an understanding and seeing and hearing in the spirit. Physical understanding is not spiritual understanding. Let's look at an example. John 6, 47 through 58 is this says this, looking at spiritual understanding versus physical understanding to, to clarify this for you this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in a wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven so that anyone may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world also is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Now in the physical, the scriptures say what? That you're not to be a cannibal, right? So... They're addressing the instruction in the physical. Go ahead, continue on. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, the one who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Now think about this. How it was received in that day. Only dealing with the physical. Yeshua talking in the physical and they only received it in the physical. But look what happens when Yeshua reveals this to his Talmudim. John 6, 59-63 says this. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. 
So then, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This statement is very unpleasant. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining about this, said to them, Is this offensive to you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. The spiritual understanding comes to the disciples, but those who only saw and heard by the physical missed out in choosing to depart from the way. Remember, many of those disciples of the 72 walked away. John 6, 64 through 69 says this, But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have told you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of the disciples left and would no longer walk with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to leave also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life, and we have already believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So how many know there's going to be great falling aways in the end times? How many know we see that? Many who say they are believers miss out also because they want to separate spiritual from physical. Why is that? Why is there a desire to separate? Because they can't deal with the internal conflicts that occur that we read in Galatians 5, 15 through 25, which says this. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. If you are stronger spiritually through your understanding, then your physical will no longer be an issue. You need to be more built up spiritually because of John 4, 23 through 24, which says this. But a time is coming, and even now has arrived, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And guess God what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And there is no going back 
to the way it used to be in worshiping in the physical before Yeshua came upon this earth. There's no going back to following the ways of rabbinic Judaism as it relates to salvation and the way to find a life in the world to come. There is no going back. But many believers today don't see it or hear it and thus have no spiritual understanding, especially in the Christian communities. They're more physically focused versus spiritually focused. Now as long as we are in these fleshly bodies, we'll have to deal with the Galatian explanation. This is the battle of Yetzer Hara Yetzer Hatov that leads to spiritual righteousness through Yeshua that has no law to address it. This is discussed in the book of Romans. And it is, and it's one of our ver our memory verses for this week, Romans eight twenty eight. How did I do, Ribbetine? Did I remember that? <laughs> the law is for evil inclination, which governs our flesh, just like the worldly laws that we are all subject to. The laws in Scripture associated with the flesh are to address the evil inclinations. But if you live in good inclinations, in the spirit, talked about the differences in the book of James on the sin cycle, then there's no need for the law of the flesh that those laws are subjecting the flesh to. However, it doesn't eliminate the law altogether. We still live in the flesh. So we're always going from spirit to flesh, from flesh to spirit, and there's a balancing, a flow between the two of them. So how do you choose your spiritual route? 2 Corinthians 7.1 says this, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the sphere of God. Not all people today feel the need to fear the Lord because they've not experienced the fear firsthand and don't accept the instruction to fear from the examples in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6 says this, Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they indeed craved them. Do you know why you should fear today? It's in our parasha, and it's repeated in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29, which says this. For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched into a blazing fire, into darkness and gloom and whirlwind, into the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not cope with the command, if even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, into myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it 
that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turned away from him who warns us from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, how many today want to hear and see clearly in the Spirit? Matthew 13, 10 through 15 says this. And the disciples came up and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. You shall keep on looking, but shall not perceive. For the hearts of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return, and I would heal them. You'll see and hear clearly when you are in subjection to the Spirit of God. Matthew 13, 16 through 17 says this. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And you will be blessed. Now let's look at another way for those of you who wish to delve deeper. B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, were given the privilege of access to God through Moshe as their mediator. Shemot 19.5-9 says this, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be mine own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also trust in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Today our mediator is Yeshua, where we find our privilege, and who will take you closer to the Father through him. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Numbered in the value of 153. Gathered together for this purpose. Ephesians 2, 18-22 says this. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. But if you see and hear or hear Yeshua as if he is speaking in parables, you're not experiencing him in the spiritual realm. Shemot 19, 10-16 says this. The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and have them wash their garments, and have them ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. But you shall set boundaries for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall certainly be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall certainly be stoned or shot through. Whether animal or person, the violator shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. He also said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there, was th there were thunder and lightning, flashes in a thick cloud over the mountain, a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Clean and seen, but not hearing voice. Hearing sound, but not the voice of God. Sound, but no voice. Shemot 20, 18 through 21 says this. And all the people were watching and hearing the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it all, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. However, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you will not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And in Shemot 20:22 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I have spoken to you from heaven. You have seen the noise. Now ask yourself this question. Do you want to see and hear in the Spirit? Well, look at this one example, and there are others, but I've chosen this one this morning. In the book of John chapter 12, 38, or 30, John chapter 12, 28 through 30, which says this. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. Jesus responded and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for yours. These, these men heard, but did not see him. 
except Paul heard and was blinded, did not know it was Yeshua, but that it was the Lord. John 10, 27 says this. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How many today want to hear his voice and see him clearly? Well, here's one way to do it. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 14 says this. So he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and powerful wind was tearing out of the mountains and breaking the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies, for the sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they have sought to take my life. Following as Yeshua did, don't look to the physical. Don't listen for the physical. Don't seek to hear the wind. Don't seek to hear the earthquake or see the fire in the physical, but seek to hear the still, small voice, that whispering voice that comes before the message comes forth, especially in these end days. The voice that comes to your spirit when you are worshiping him. The voice that comes to your spirit when you're praying to him. The voice that comes to your spirit when you're studying his word or the voice that comes to your spirit in just meditation upon him. You see, he speaks in many ways to his flock. But you're blessed when he speaks to your spirit through the still small voice and not to your flesh through parables. So in closing, seeing and hearing with spiritual understanding that is when you know you have truly experienced his Ruach HaKodesh. Worship God inside, out, not outside in, and watch what happens. Amen? It's our duty to praise the Master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation. For he's made us unlike the nations of the land and has not placed us like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like theirs and our lot like their multitudes. And we bend the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the King over kings, the Holy One, blessed be he. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth's foundation. And the seat of his glory is in the heavens above. And the presence of his power is in the most exalted heights. He is our God, there is none other. True is our King, there is nothing beside him as it is written in his Torah. And you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. There is none other. Amen.